invite you to turn with me to Ephesians. Moving along, last two chapters, these six chapters of Paul's little letter to the church in Ephesus. As we begin looking at this chapter, chapter 5, we move from this first section, the first three chapters, where Paul has been focusing on our spiritual position in Christ. We're seated with Christ, he says, in the heavenlies through faith and trust in Him. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm in Christ. He reminds us in chapter 1 of Ephesians and verse 3. We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our sins, our trespasses. According to the riches of His grace. We've been brought near to the presence of God by the blood of Christ. According to the eternal purpose of of God our Father, who carried out all of this in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord. In these first three chapters, Paul focuses upon that D word, doctrine, okay? Upon teaching. He focuses upon the doctrine, particularly of salvation. And in the last three chapters, which is Usually his, his custom, if you add, begin to analyze uh, many of Paul's the 13 epistles, uh, generally all of them, uh, there might be one or two variations and exceptions, have that, uh, that sort of division. Establishing the doctrine, the teaching, so that we can move from there to the doing. And the practice. So Paul does that here. The first three chapters. Focuses upon the doctrine of our salvation. And the last three chapters. Of which we are in chapter 5 today. Focuses on the doing of our salvation. Because as people of the word. We ought to walk. We ought to do. We ought to live. We ought to look like people of the Word and not those of the world. Paul uses a particular word to describe this doing, and he often refers to it throughout this epistle as walking. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 2. He reminds the church about the former ways in which they walked according to the course of this world. Same chapter, Ephesians 2, verse 10. He said, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Chapter 4, verse 1. He said, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord implore you. I, the prisoner of the Lord, He says, implore you to walk. How? In a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. 
Jump down to verse 17, that same chapter. He says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. In the futility of their mind. We see that word here in chapter 5 that we're going to read here in just a minute. Verse 2 in chapter 5, verse 8. In chapter 5, verse 15. Walking in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. We are to walk worthy of our calling, of the names by which we have been designated and called. We are to walk, not as the world walks. We saw in the past couple weeks, we are to dress, not as the world dresses, but as the, the wardrobe of God's Word gives us those things that we should be wearing, holy Righteous, just, people of peace and harmony, people who strive to be holy, even as our Lord God is holy. We are to walk as children, he says in this chapter, of the light and not of the darkness. We are to walk around with our eyes wide open. We are to walk, he says, in love. All of this sounds really simple, doesn't it, when we say it? It sounds very simple to do. Every Christian should be a loving Christian. Every church ought to be a loving church. Christianity is so simple and yet Christianity is so complex. At many points so difficult. The difficulty is not in the doctrine. Because I think we've got the doctrine. The difficulty is often in our doing. The reality of that doing. And that's what Paul is focusing upon here. In beginning in uh, the second part of chapter 4 and now in chapter 5 and particularly in chapter 6 where he starts to flesh out relationships, family, church, children, parents, slaves, placing on us the armor of God. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, as we read this morning. The Apostle Paul says, inspired by God, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things... The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, 
and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The grass withers, the flowers fade and fall, but these words of our Lord and our God endure, last forever. Heavenly Father, enable us to focus with all of our hearts and minds strength as we listen to your word, your voice speaking into our lives. We lift up this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gave us these words. He wrote these words. Love one another as God in Christ has loved you. Remember years ago now, and it seems like yesterday almost, back in the late 60s, there was a, a Beatles song. Some of you may have heard it firsthand. Some of you may have heard it as it's been repeated over the years. And that song's byline is, All you need is love. You remember that? All you need is love. I'm not going to sing it for you because you might mass exodus out of here. There was another uh, 1967 uh, song by a group called the Youngbloods. And some of you may even have remembered them and you're telling me just how old we are together. Uh, And they, they said this, Come on people, smile on your brother. Remember those words? Everybody get together, try to love one another right now. Amazing, isn't it, how these very secular and very worldly groups of of musicians touch on some very deep and important truths that come from the Bible. Now, they didn't live the way the Scripture says that we ought to live. Their sentiment may be true, even though the message and the focus was misplaced. But they did say, all you need is love. If it were only that simple, agreeing on general statements such as that is is really pretty easy. The problem is when we get more specific, when we get right down to to brass tacks, as they say, when we move from the general idea and the concept to the specific details and doing, we begin having problems. And it's here that Paul begins to apply specific principles for us to to the concrete realities of our lives. How do we, practically speaking, walk in love? How do we do it? Years ago, there was... A Peanuts cartoon. I know I don't seem like a a cartoon sort of guy, but I I enjoy uh, looking at some of those funnies uh, in the newspaper. And in this particular one, Linus is telling his sister, Lucy, you may remember it, that he wants to be a doctor when he grows up. And Lucy, in her infinite wisdom, replies, You a doctor? You don't love mankind, she says to Linus. 
And Linus says, I do too, love mankind. It's people I can't tolerate. (laughs) See, Linus is so right. It's easy to love humanity, people in the abstract. What is challenging is loving real people, flesh and blood. What is challenging is loving specific individuals in the actual process of living among them, walking with them, and being part of them, yes, even in the body of Christ. So Paul says here, Verse 1, chapter 5. Be imitators. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God, as a fragrant aroma. We're going to put some flesh on that in the next couple weeks. But today, focus on this. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. There's a a translation, which is really not a translation. It's more of a paraphrase. It puts it this way. As children copy their fathers, you as God's children are to copy Him. Live your lives in love. Sounds very simple, doesn't it? Copy Him, our God and Father. This is the only place in our English Bibles where these words appear, be imitators of God. Where that command is spoken. What makes that command so amazing is that these words point to a standard that humanly speaking is beyond our ability to grasp and even attain without something Supernatural going on in us and among us. Copy Him. Mimic Him. Be imitators of me. Paul says in another place in 1 Corinthians. Just as I also am of Christ. Paul wasn't saying, look at me, follow me. He was saying, look at Christ in me and follow Him. Paul also says in 1 Thessalonians, For you, brethren, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 14, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ. The writer of Hebrews says, Imitators who are not sluggish, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Be imitators. Third John, verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Imitate what is good. Jesus uh, never uses that word, imitate, but He says essentially the same thing when He says, walk. Follow Me. Do not walk in the darkness of this world. I am the light of the world, He said. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. That following him is a what? Is an imitation of him. It's conforming ourselves to him by the work of God's grace in us. All of that is, as I say, very well and good. But notice what Paul says here. Be imitators of God. 
Not be imitators of Christ, be imitators of God. Now the inference there is we have, you know, if we imitators of God, we are imitators of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit because we believe that our God is three in one. But he very specifically says here, therefore be imitators of God. How is that possible to imitate one who is infinitely above us and beyond us? To imitate one who is infinitely holy and righteous. One who is perfectly patient and loving and kind. Paul doesn't leave us here with a, with a vague notion or generalities about being imitators, mimickers of God. He gives us specifics. Specifically, he has in mind, be imitators of God. Look at the rest of verse 1 and 2. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. That love there is that agape love. It's not that phileo love, that brotherly love. This is that agape love, that selfless, sacrificial, outpouring love that God had for us in the sacrifice of Christ. He says, walk in love just as Christ also loved you. What we see here in our English Bibles with that therefore be imitators is the beginning of chapter 5 is actually brings a, a link, a, a, a hinge, pin from chapter 4 into chapter 5. And we see that link between the two. It is in loving that we are to copy, to imitate our Creator, our God. What kind of love is this? I know you want to know. This love is forgiving. This love is giving. This love is living. This is forgiving love. God our Father forgave us. How? Through that perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And he says we are to forgive one another. Even as God has loved us. While we were yet sinners. Forgive one another. The link between God's forgiveness of us. And our forgiveness of others. Is so important. Is vital. In our walk. Because it is only through knowing ourselves to be forgiven. That we can forgive. That we are set free. In a very real sense, to forgive others lovingly. We pray today. How often do we pray? Not as much as we should. We pray today. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do we really stop and think about that? Do we really stop and think what that means, how difficult that is to do, and the motivation for us to do it is because we have forgiven, been forgiven so much of a debt. And then, like Jesus uh, in Matthew 18, as he uh, portrays this parable of this unforgiving servant, a servant who has been forgiven a massive debt, turns around and takes someone who owes him a, a minuscule debt, 
and throws him into prison. Unforgiving. And Jesus summoning him to his side through the one who is the Lord and his servant says, You wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? How much have we been forgiven? More than we can ever repay. We can't. Do we really know this forgiveness that the Master has for His servants? Have we really experienced it? Are we walking in that experience? The way God sees us is this. We are sinners. Paul says in Romans 3, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside from Him. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. See, when we start there, what do we deserve? God's wrath, His punishment, and His curse, and death. If we see ourselves through God's eyes, the way He sees us, knowing our rebellion against His love, and yet finding ourselves forgiven on the basis of Christ's love for us, poured out upon us, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, then we will inevitably love. We have to. And forgive. See, no one can act as badly toward us as we have acted toward God. And yet, He has forgiven us our sins. And He cleanses us of our unrighteousness. If we are not forgiving in our love, we really, I, I would say, don't know the extent of God's forgiveness of us. If we see ourselves as forgiven sinners, then that frees us up to love others as we copy, as we mimic, as we imitate the love of God given for us. We express it to one another. This love is forgiving. But this love is also giving. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and did what? Gave Himself. Gave Himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Christ gave Himself up for you. The point at which this giving love is so clearly demonstrated is at the cross. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him will now perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 4.10 And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He first loved us and sent His Son to be the covering, the propitiation for our sins. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates His love for us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that beautiful passage in Philippians, next chapter over, chapter 2, verse 5. 
had this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at his name of Jesus every knee will bow for those in heaven and earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Is that the kind of love we give? Jesus gave himself to the point of death. The greatest expression of love is not that he gives things. And how often do we do that in order to express our love to one another? We give gifts. Now, hopefully those gifts are given as the expression of our love, but I've seen too often families giving gifts to children and to people in order to be accepted by them. This great expression of love is not that it gives things or even that it gives up things, but that it gives itself. Do we do that? Do we give of ourselves sacrificially, selflessly, without thinking, I may be hurt, I may be inconvenienced, I may be troubled by what I'm doing. See, if we don't give ourselves to other people, we do so often because we're afraid of being vulnerable. Maybe because at heart we're truly selfish. We're prideful. We have to make ourselves open and vulnerable in order to give the way Christ has given. We give. We want ourselves for ourselves. And we are afraid that if we give ourselves to others, we might be hurt. Or even worse, we might be disappointed. See, God can take care of all that as we're giving ourselves forgiving one another, but giving ourselves to one another. What better place to do that in the body of Christ? Because we're all part of one another. Living in love with one another. Paul says here, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant aroma, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This living love, forgiving love, this giving love, Paul has, has uh, explained to us in the previous chapter where he said, put off, take off the old, put on the new, put off lying and, speaking tru- and, and speak truthfully to one another, put off anger, put off stealing, work for a living, put off unwholesome talk. Speak to help and to build up one another, put off bitterness and rage and anger and malice. As I was going through this, I was thinking, man, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13, that great chapter about love. Love is all these things, but at the end, what does he say? Love never fails. It's this love that is forgiving, that is giving, that is living, that never fails. God's love for us is a lasting, enduring love. And as children of God, we should want to mimic Him. 
Actually, we are called to mimic Him. Be imitators of God. That's what that word is that Paul uses there. It's where we get our English word mimic. The mimeograph machine. Remember those things? used to love to, to smell the paper when they... I hated to take the test, but I loved to smell the paper. Um, they mimicked the original. Paul says, be imitators, be mimickers of God. Be imitators of the character of God. Can we do that? Not in our own stead, not in our own selves, we certainly can't. Because God's love is lasting and enduring. And as children of God, we are called to mimic His love. Our love is to be lasting and enduring and forgiving. But the love that we often have is weak and selfish. The love that we often have is faltering and variable. Eh, today, yeah, I love you. Tomorrow, depends on what you do. How you look at me. What you say. I mean, we, we have all kinds of reasons, don't we? What we need in our love is something of the character of God's love and less the character of the world's love. More of the new, less of the old. And we can't do this on our own. We do it by the power of the Spirit working in us. That Spirit sanctifying us and making us holy. Because nothing natural in us is forgiving or giving or lasting or even loving. But if we look toward God through Christ, the author and the completer, the perfecter of our faith, then we can do this. As Paul has said, all things through Christ who strengthens us. The word, as I said, that Paul uses here for imitators is the word for mimic. To mimic Imitation, I've been told, is the greatest form of flattery. Sometimes we take it as a, as a jab or, you know, somebody's making fun of us. But when someone imitates us, it means that they are copying us closely, repeating actions, behavior, speech, words, becoming like the one we are mimicking. How do we do that? We have to spend time with the person to get to know them and get to know them well. You know, when an actor takes on a role of a character, I did a little research on this, and some of these actors and actresses spend months, sometimes even years, getting into character for these productions, for these movies and, and plays and theaters. They spend time with their character, they do whatever is needed to feel like that person, to walk as that person walked, to talk as that person talked, even changing accents sometimes in order to make that character real and believable. They dress as that person dressed. They immerse themselves in the role of that person. They mimic and copy closely that person's actions that they are portraying, their behavior, their speech, and they, in essence, become that person. And that's what that entertainment is all about, is that they want to make it so believable that we get drawn into that story and believe what they are portraying. But at some point, you see, 
That actor steps out of that role. As Christians, we are not actors. We are called to be imitators of God. Mimickers of God. We are to repeat His actions. Echo His speech. Duplicate His behavior. How do we do that? We do it the same way an actor or an actress does it. We study deeply the one that we are wanting to mimic and imitate. We spend time with the the character, the holiness, the attributes of God. We talk to Him in prayer, in meditation, in Bible study. We worship and in fellowship we gather together with His children as we walk in love. God's love. Forgiving, giving, and lasting love. For you see, it is that love that never fails. So Paul says this, be mimickers. Be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up as an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Heavenly Father, as we leave here this day, would You instill in our hearts a burning desire to mimic You, to imitate You, our God and Heavenly Father, in our love to one another. That our love as Your love for us may be forgiving and giving without limits and may be loving, selfless, sacrificial. Father, we can't do this on our own. We try and we fall flat on our faces. But you, through Christ, can do all things. For he is the one who strengthens us by the power of his Spirit in us. It is by the power of that Spirit, Lord, that we beg and plead that you would conform us to your image and your likeness. Father, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.